Reinvest in your wellness goals this spring with savings on supplements. March 14th and 15th only, I'll be offering 10% off all products in my online full script supplement dispensary. March 14th and 15th, two days only, get 10% off and free shipping on my entire inventory of top supplements at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. It's the safest and most convenient way to purchase my curated supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast, free shipping and optional refill reminders via text or email. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. It's safe, secure, and includes world-class customer service. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com for 10% off and free shipping for two days only, March 14th and 15th. That's DearHoffmanStore.com, DearHoffmanStore.com. As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research, among them several stand out for their support of immune function and respiratory health, NAC, Allerol, Serapeptase, and Abiotic Immune Plus. NAC promotes detoxification and healthy respiratory function. Allerol supports respiratory structures and functions. Serapeptase supports a healthy response to biological stress. And Abiotic Immune Plus is a botanical formula designed to support healthy immune system function. NAC, Allerol, Serapeptase, and Abiotic Immune Plus for support of immune function and respiratory health. And they're available at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, today with Layla Newton, because it's that time of the week again. Once again, it's time for our weekly Q&A with Layla, wherein we answer your questions. Questions come to us via questions at drhoffman.net, logically enough. Mm -hmm. And we got a bunch of questions in the mailbag. We got lots to talk about. Uh, as we uh, look out the window here in New York, uh, there's uh, a mixed Some flurries. It's called, we call it mixed precip. Ah, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be slushy, right? Maybe it's uh, hail, locusts. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's just one of those kind of miserable March days. You know, yeah. uh, we haven't really decided yet whether it's springtime. The trees are confused. In Central Park. They're sort of budding, but they're kind of... Wait, is this February? Yeah, that's yeah. what the trees are saying right yeah. now. Well, February was March, and March, I think we sort of yeah. swapped months. Uh, how are you doing with the daylight savings time? Are you uh, acclimated? Yeah, I, I'm pretty much acclimated. I It was interesting. I started, uh, I guess, unconsciously getting ahead of it, because I found myself over the last m month, maybe six weeks... Falling, getting sleepy for you know bedtime sleepy by eight forty. What you, you, it was usually nine thirty. Oh yeah, but it was like backing up and backing up, You're and then I realized for it. I was getting ready for it. Yeah, good. And yeah. so it worked. Okay, so so, it so now it's like yeah more. Natural. Now it's like okay, but the problem is we wake up, it's really dark. Ah uh, yeah, still, yeah, that's yeah. not so good. So yeah. 
Yeah, I you know I've got my uh, SAD lights, uh, you know, working, and you know, mm. try to mm -hmm. wake myself up, and get outside, and you know, get some get some sun on your get face. Some pale yeah. gray light on my face. <laughs> <laughs> right. So okay, we're going to get to questions in a moment, but um, uh, do, do you like did you like to do book reports when you were a kid? I didn't like to, but I did them. Okay. Because <laughs> if they were homework, yeah, I, I did mean, them. I I kind of. Doug doing book reports because yeah. I was a big reader. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it is that uh, I wrote a book report of sorts uh, for our newsletter article next week. Oh. Uh, it'll come out next week, so don't look for it yet. But you know, I talk a little bit about it because I was quite excited about a book that I came across. Mm -hmm. You know, and I read, I'm very eclectic in my reading taste. I'll read, you know, a lot of his history, I'll read historical fiction, I'll read a lot of pure fiction, mm -hmm. and then I'll read factual books. Yeah. You know, and factual books, you know, it's a little bit like a busman's holiday because I'm already spending so much time reading articles and scientific and literature. Right. So I, I need a <clears throat> brain rinse sometimes sure. to, to read something totally, you know, fiction. Yeah. Uh, modern fiction or classic fiction. But uh, this uh, past couple of weeks I've been reading and, you know, because I was traveling, I had more time to uh, sit and read. Uh, uh, it's a book called Desperate Remedies, mm -hmm. Psychiatry's Turbulent Quest to Cure Mental Illness. Oh, wow. Now, you might think this is kind of a downer thing to read about, but actually this guy's writing style uh, is so entertaining that it's a really brisk uh, read. Uh, his name is uh, Andrew Skull, S-K-U-L-L. Uh, I was just going to say how apropos for a psychiatrist, he, he, a head shrinker. Right. I don't even think he's a psychiatrist. I oh. think he's sort of a medical historian, <clears throat> you know, kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it actually helps that he's not a psychiatrist because he is so critical of the psychiatric uh, profession. He could be more objective. Yeah, but it's not a it's not a relentless diatribe. It's just like... It's illuminating? It's illuminating. And, okay. and what it points out is how... It, the term is hubris, you know, which is yes. overconfidence that what we're doing is right. And mm -hmm. it applies uh, to today just as well as yesterday because mm -hmm. you see these guys doing And these, not just in psychiatry. And exactly. <clears throat> and pervasive in medicine. Yeah. That we do these things, and some of them are very radical mm -hmm. things like, you know, uh, radical mastectomy and, you know, bone marrow transplants for women suffering from advanced breast cancer. And these things were yeah. horrendous for the patients and ultimately not efficacious, but they, they, were, they were fads. They were clinical yeah. vogues. Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, he goes back, he traced the history, you know, like most people when they were crazy or insane yeah. were confined to insane asylums. And if you're poor, you went to a kind of a, a really dark, dingy, prison kind of facility. Yeah. Uh, and if you were rich, you would go to a fancy sanitarium. You know, let's say you had a little bit of a nutty person in your family and you, would, <clears throat> you had a lot of money and they, they would actually cater to people who were uh, rich, you know, mm -hmm. to put them in like they had like, you know, beautiful gardens and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Good and, care. And, they, you know, they, they gave them therapy that they thought was helpful, like putting them in hot baths, cold baths, mm -hmm. you know, various things. Um, they gave them uh, opiates, you know, yeah. which kind of calmed you down, knocked you out, but weren't really that great for you. Uh, then uh, they came up with the idea. They realized uh, that uh, they, it, it seemed that 
there was with the advent of Darwin's theory of evolution mm -hmm. and survival of the fittest, uh, and also Gregor Mendel, you know, the geneticist. Yes, who, yes, he, yes, he, yes. He said, hey, guess what? You know, people inherit mm -hmm. traits. Mm -hmm. So between those two, uh, they started coming up with the idea that there was some inferior stock. People mm -hmm. who came from backgrounds where there was like a lot of insanity in the family. And so what they proposed uh, around the end of the 1800s and the early 20th century is a form of eugenicism, eugenics, yes, uh, where you would weed out the mm -hmm. people who were inferior, who had certain traits. And this actually came from America. Later, it was applied in Germany, where they actually gassed and killed the insane people uh, and anybody with any kind of defect because yes. they wanted to purify the race. Mm -hmm. Uh, the problem with that is that now they're actually looking for that genetic combo, uh, and they have really good genetic mapping techniques. Uh -huh. They still can't find it. They can't find the gene for schizophrenia or even a constellation of genes. They can't even find a gene for depression or anxiety. They think that there may be some genes which somewhat predispose people, but it's like life circumstances that bring yeah. these things out. So they really haven't unraveled it. Anyway, what they did is they sterilized a lot of people. Uh, involuntarily. Yes. Yeah. And then, of course, the Germans take it one step further and they kill people. Mm -hmm. So the other thing they did uh, was they they realized that a, a fairly high percentage of the people in these insane asylums mm -hmm. uh, had tertiary syphilis. So they came up with this in theory that infection caused insanity. Uh, syphilis, that is one of the... Yeah, the people... Right? You know, one of the... Madness, yeah. Yes. And so people would go to insane asylums, then they discovered that it was due to a germ. Yeah. So they came up with this theory that, well, maybe other forms of insanity, when you don't have syphilis, are due to infections. Mm. So what they did is they, they would experiment on people. They would pull all their teeth out in an effort to cure them. They would perform hysterectomies because they thought that there was some toxic humor coming from... But also, yes, women know, and their pesky hormones. Yeah, and you something. know that his, hyster is yeah, a yeah. Greek word that is the root of hysteria uh -huh. as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so women which and, women would be prone so, to. So yeah. you know, they would spay and neuter. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, which could create a little more docile behavior, maybe. But then they would even do crazy things like they would do colectomies because they thought the toxicity resided in the intestine. Really? Which we're actually coming back to a little bit with the microbiome theory. Yes. You know, that, that, that there's a microbiome link to But uh, a colectomy Parkinson's. is so radical. But yeah, wow. in those days, there was a high mortality mm -hmm. rate, too, because they didn't mm -hmm. have the techniques worked out. Uh, then they came up with the idea, they, they met an insulin like, what, 1922? And they realized that if you took too much insulin, you would go, you would have seizures and go have a coma. Yeah. So they decided insulin shock. This so they did insulin shock therapy on psychiatric yeah. patients, and they would like put them at death's door with this thing, and they would try to be like a computer reboot. You know, your computer doesn't work. You know, just turn it off, turn it on. Yeah. They thought they would wake up. You know, restored. Um, then they said, well, we don't need to do that because we can. Uh, shock the brain with electricity. You know, electricity was like becoming more popular. And uh, so, so shock therapy Yes, came in. ECT. And the problem with the shock therapy is that it would erase like vast libraries of memory that people yeah, had. So they forgot they were depressed. They may have forgot, but they part of it was it was so painful that it may have been 
a big form of behavior modification. You know, like, if you don't behave, we're going to put you on the electroshock table again. And it was so radical that people would break their bones with their terrible muscle spasms they'd get from the electroshock therapy. Oh, my goodness. But this went on, electroshock therapy went on into the 50s, and it's actually being used now in a more controlled fashion. Yes. Uh, We've seen... Couple a of couple patients. of patients. Yeah, We've yeah. seen a couple of patients. And yeah, they're not that much better. They they do complain of memory loss still. True. Uh, yeah. Then yeah. they came up with this idea that, you know, they were saying, look, uh, psychiatry is not very keeping up with the times. So they're making these tremendous advancements in surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, our surgery colleagues are really, you know, stealing our lunch. So maybe we can do brain surgery. Like lobotomies again? Yeah. Oh, no. oh yeah. So they, oh, no. they start with lobotomies. And first it was like they had neurosurgeons. And it was in the early days, it was like really tough to operate on the brain. You know, people would die of sepsis and, you know, things like that. Mm. Uh, then they, a guy came along. His name was Agaz Moniz. And he was a Portuguese neurologist. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, uh, this whole, we can't do these fast enough to get, you know, a sizable number of people lobotomized. So, he came up with the idea that if you took something that's like a modified ice pick and you directed it at people's and uh, all. orbital bones, which is above the eye, yeah. and just drove it home with a mallet and then kind of squunched it around laterally, you could obliterate the uh, prefrontal cortex. And so he, he, he campaigned all over the world. He would do these demonstrations where he'd say, like, bring in all your patients. And he would do like, you know, uh, you know, five, wow. 10, 15 at a time. Right in your eye. And then he would say, here, you try it, you know, to relatively untrained uh, asylum uh, employees. And they would do these lobotomies. So uh, this actually got done, believe it or not, until the 1950s. In the 1950s, they came up with drugs. Like by accident, they discovered oh, that certain drugs okay. uh, had... Uh, very profound sedating effects, mm-hmm. but they also had terrible side effects, yeah. like drugs like Thorazine. Uh, and this also coincided with the time where they decided like, hey, we're spending too much money warehousing these people. We can just give them drugs and we can get them out get into them out. the community. Yes. With, so they, this is called deinstitutionalization. Mm-hmm. So they actually, uh, in 1950, about half a million people were in... Uh, mental asylums. Yeah. By 1970, it was about one-tenth that amount uh-uh. because they just put them all on these chemical straitjacket meds and sent them, uh, you know, often into welfare hotels and into, yeah. you know, these, quote, halfway houses. But, yes, you know, group homes and group things. Group homes. But yeah. it really was horrible because we see the legacy of that now with all these we Looney Tune people walking around the homeless, true, uh, and not all homeless are mentally ill, but a high percentage of them, and they're sure. you know yeah. they're susceptible to drug addiction and violence. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I've gotten off of trains, yes, have to, and have changed to. train cars because trouble was happening. So the other somebody thing, was completely unruly. He he yeah. talks about psychotherapy and you yeah. know, psychotherapy. Also, a lot of Looney Tune people. You know, Freud was kind of a Looney Tune guy. He made up a lot of this, the these cases where he demonstrates cures, and it was yeah. more of a uh, literary form than an actual scientific case study. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, some of these uh Does he talk about Carl Jung at all? Jung was there too. Yeah. And a lot of the people who, uh, they, they kind of 
left from Europe because, the, you know, partially because of the Nazis coming to power. And they came here, and it was like kind of cool to have this Viennese accent, you know, and sound, you know, little German, you know, yes, well, what are we going to find out your problem? Hey, we, that's pretty good. <laughs> we put you on the couch. It will take four or five years, but we'll figure it out. Oh, my God, that's good. We'll figure it out, you know. <laughs> so anyway, so, uh, you know, so yeah, the, the this actually also kind of lost its luster because it was so expensive that only very rich people could handle it. Yeah. So then they came up with CBT, which is like short form, mm-hmm. uh, quicker forms of yeah. therapy. Cognitive but behavioral therapy. Bottom line, he CBT. says that, that you know, mm-hmm. psychiatry is really in a crisis because the current medications we're using are not that efficacious. Uh, there are a lot of side effects. Yeah. Uh, he even mentions that the drug pipeline is drying up, you know, for new medications. They don't know mm-hmm. what to do anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought it was a really interesting book about the follies of medicine. Yeah. And uh, in particular, the field of psychiatry, which is kind of a uh, not keeping up with the advances in medicine in general. Yeah, you know, we're curing a lot of diseases, but you know, it seems that we're also increasing the number of people diagnosed with psychiatric problems because we're taking normal states like. Uh, like a little bit angry and calling it bipolar, for yeah. example. The DSM is ever expanding. Exactly. Yeah. Or uh, shyness is social phobia. Oh yeah. You know, and uh, uh, you know, like that mousy librarian uh, in the ho- in the in you know that you used to see, you know, who was the kind of uh, spinster type. Right. You know, just give her some introversion. Some, give her some Zoloft, you know, and she'll be like, you know, partying hardy. Right. Uh, so anyway, so yeah. yeah. Uh, very good book, and mm-hmm. I recommend it to anyone who's. And we we may have a lot by of Andrew Skull. Great, yeah. I look forward to your article. Yeah, and anybody who's in the field of psychology, mm-hmm. I think every psychology student should read it. Uh, I think every uh, practicing psychiatrist should read it. Every uh, medical resident who's yeah. interested in psychiatry should read it. Uh, you know, not to knock the profession, but just yeah. You know, it, 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 in the realm of, of, of mental health, I always personally favored psychologists, right? Over, like PhD psychologists yeah. over psychiatrists, because psychologists really studied psychology throughout yes. their yes. their and their they didn't curriculum. Just, uh, uh, prescribe medication. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Psychiatrists that became doctors, wonderful, but the field of psychiatry itself was yeah. a little more limited. What I what I knock um, him on a little bit is that mm-hmm. he. I mean, it, it's beyond the scope of the book, but he could have talked about some promising avenues in psychiatry, which I think are really worth investigating, like nutritional psychiatry uh, and uh, the use of... Uh, I, I don't expect him to become like a big fan of orthomolecular psychiatry, but there's something yeah. to be said. Also, the, the using uh, exercise as a way of dealing with people who have depression and anxiety and, uh, you know, a more holistic lifestyle-oriented approach to it, this. It, it's not wow stuff. It's not, you know, oh, my gosh, the, this this wonderful thing you could do. Oh, my go- goodness, what is it? Is it a magic bullet? Yeah, change how you eat and move around right. <laughs> a little bit more or something like that. It's or, not... Or, or even keto diet. As, exactly, uh, exactly. As, as Dr. Chris Palmer mm-hmm. uh, talks about in his book, Brain Energy, and we interviewed him and wrote an article uh, reviewing yeah. his book. So, you know, look, just interesting stuff. You know, I try to broaden my perspective. And, um, you know, I'm not prescribing psych meds or doing lobotomies these days, but, you know, (laughs) 
Uh, There's no awl in your drawer with a mallet <laughs> nearby? <or laughs> that sounds I do have about. a letter opener here. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so... Um, okay. Great. Let's get to questions. Just mention for a minute yes. that if you're listening to this podcast and you're, it's still uh, Wednesday the 15th, I think mm -hmm. that's when this broadcast is going to drop, is on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, you still have an opportunity until midnight, Eastern Time, I think, to participate in our sale. We do a sale a couple of times during the year. Via full uh, script. Via full script, yeah. So you can uh, mm -hmm. reinvest in your wellness goals this spring with savings on supplements uh, March 14th and 15th. The 14th is already bygone. 10% off all our products in my online full script supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. Okay, so go ahead, I'm sorry. Just, some, just to, I, I think we can expand on this a little bit. We could talk about nutrition for mental health. For example, we're yeah. always looking for deficiencies. They could be deficiencies in certain things like uh, vitamin B12, B6, certainly magnesium. Maybe they have the wrong fatty acid profile as well. Even something like iron. Oh, my God. You, iron, you get, look, yeah. I see these people who have really, you know, like the street people, and I go, what's their essential fatty acid profile? Yeah. Because yeah. it's expensive to eat salmon. Absolutely. You know, uh, yeah. and where are you going to get that? Mm -hmm. uh, so, mm -hmm. and for childhood problems, my goodness, you know, children are abysmal diets, full of sugar, full of processed exactly. foods. The microbiome has an impact. Mm -hmm. um, the amount of omega-3 fatty acids you take in True. can have an impact on behavior and IQ, True. Uh, on mood. You know, Food all these allergies, things, things yeah. like gluten can be problematic for those and who are susceptible. There's so much. Once again, I'm not saying... It's rich. It's really fertile ground. I'm not saying these are panaceas. No, but they are they extremely help. helpful. They help. They can really, really right. help. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember, you know, after treating a, a bipolar patient, uh, this was like 25 years ago, he wrote yeah. an article uh, that appeared in Fortune magazine about his amazing improvement with, mm -hmm. you know, just basic lifestyle stuff. And I, we didn't even know as much then as we know now. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I got so many calls from bipolar patients, uh, you know, and it was it was challenging because some of these patients really... You know, it was worrisome taking yeah. them off their meds, but uh, yeah. we were able, to, in some cases, to taper them. I mean, mm -hmm. that's scary, you know, because yeah. they could go into full-fledged mania. And for some patients, I recommended, look, you know, stay in your meds. We'll do the best we can, and we'll yeah. stabilize your moods because the medication isn't doing everything it should. And maybe we'll reduce your your dependency on meds. Yeah, I'm not an either-or kind of guy, mm -hmm. but um, I, you know, I think we're a very, very slow taper. Yeah. Once again, it, it, like, wouldn't it? It would so help the mental health of America mm -hmm. if every psychiatrist had a Layla in the office. You know, a knowledgeable Thank health professional. No, but yeah. seriously, can you imagine? Yeah. Can you clone yourself? That'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. We don't call have the technology Dolly, yet. Call <laughs> <her>. <laughs> right? No, but it's true. It's true. It's really they would. People would benefit from a nutritional intervention, really. And it's not harming. It right. wouldn't harm anything. Or maybe they can take some of your change. mRNA and they can inject it into every psychiatrist. We can maybe oh. Pfizer or Moderna could work on that. Would they get Would enough you? from my mRNA to? <laughs> <laughs> can I sell it? There's a vaccine. Is for there? That. Is there a vaccine? Yeah. All right. Wait. I'll, uh, I'll a go. Pro Layla I'll vaccine. Go I'll go have these with you on it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> can we patent this? Yeah. All oh, right. Go for it. 
<laughs> intellectual property. Uh, let's, you know, enough digression. Let's get to questions. Let's get to questions. This comes from Fran. In the most recent newsletter, Layla gave us a link to a recent study about the slight impact of diet on lipoprotein little a. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that lipoprotein little a is a high lipoprotein little a is an independent risk factor for cardiovascular disease, for so, causing obstruction in coronary arteries. To, to restate arteries. that, yeah. is, uh, even if you have a pretty decent cholesterol, yes. and even if you have like Low a good, good lifestyle, Low homosis- all good, of that. good diet, exercise, yeah. if you have this hereditary risk factor, yeah. it increases pretty dramatically your risk for cardiovascular True. disease. True. There is some relationship to LDL, but what they found is in the study is when they replace uh, saturated fats with carbohydrates, because saturated fat is still a phobia kind of thing, Mm -hmm. when they replace it with carbohydrates, what they found is that lipoprotein little a increases. This is not desirable. But when they replace those uh, the additional carbohydrates with saturated fat, particularly something like a stearic acid, found in meat, mm-hmm. found in chocolate, not a man-made trans fat, which is classified as a saturated fat. Lipoprotein little a is modestly reduced. Modestly reduced. But maybe so this is not interesting. enough to, ha- to have a little bit of a benefit, yeah. but maybe you know if you have a sky-high thing and it goes from 300 to 280, maybe that's maybe not that's enough. Maybe that's going to help. That's, yeah, maybe that's not enough. Yeah. So maybe over time. So, they're, so to lower LPA... Yeah. Uh, the new category of uh, cholesterol drugs, the so-called pesky drugs, PCSK9 drugs, yeah. uh, will uh, also lower LP little a, and that may be part of their efficacy. They're also developing mm. what are called antisense drugs that still have to be vetted and tested, uh, which lower LPA. Mm-hmm. They interfere with the, whatever the synthesis of LPA, and uh, those may turn out to be helpful. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think they're generally available. They're, they're about to, within the next couple of years, they may have trials of uh, those. So there was a study, I believe you sent this to me via email, this was weeks and weeks and weeks yeah. ago, that uh, a natural pesky may be berberine. Mm-hmm. Okay. That could be something. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I haven't really looked at the impact of berberine, which we prescribe to a lot of patients, on their LPA, but yeah. it might be worth looking at. Yeah. Besides that, I think vitamin C, these are a short list, but not, again, nothing is a panacea. Yeah. Lipoprotein little a is a tough one. Right. So do we answer the question? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, she's reading, you know, a lot of gobbledygook, a lot of medical ease, but to break it down, that's really what the study is actually saying. If if I remember correctly, the ideal LPA is 30 or less. Yeah. Is that like, about it's like right? yeah. 35 or less, yeah. And it, it's not uncommon to find people like, oh my God, you have heart disease. How come you have heart disease? Your cholesterol is like 160, yeah, your HDL and, is 60. But the live protein little a is 78. Or, or even higher. Or it can higher. Be, yeah, it can be 150. over 100. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, and then usually that's there's a, a familial mm-hmm. uh, thing going on there too. Right. And not everybody whose parent has an LP little a that's high gets it, but mm-hmm. if there's some. Uh, complicated genetic yeah. transmission of that, and you know, you can, it's not something you can outrun. I remember right. ages and ages ago, way back, it's not a lifestyle two thing. two addresses ago, w- yeah. w- with regard to to this office, 
there was a, a very avid cyclist. We're talking 150, 200 miles a week. Right. He would cycle. He was right. on an awesome diet, right. fantastic shape, right. ate beautifully, had a lipoprotein little A of, I don't know, 300 mm -hmm. or something like right. that. Was there anything else we could really right. do? Right, right, You know, so it's something. Yeah, I remember that case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was interesting. Anyway, great question, Fran. So in a nutshell, that's what that means. Okay. The replacement of carbohydrates with saturated fat or the elimination of those carbohydrates and replacing it with some saturated fat, good quality saturated fat, can help to decrease modestly lipoprotein little a. So when which we is, which come is beneficial. back, mm -hmm. uh, oh my before goodness. we answer a question, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to segue to a discussion of another risk factor hmm. that has an initial, you know, it has an acronym. It's uh, called CRP. Yeah. Okay. But there's some new information on that that's kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, so let's uh, pause. And when we return uh, in part two, give us a preview of what questions we're going to tackle. My alkaline phosphatase is slowly going up. Should I be concerned? Okay, great question. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is our weekly Q&A with Leila. Questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. Please send your questions, and we'll answer them on the air. We'll be right back with part two.